Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, as we've been having this conversation about honoring our Canadian war dead, as we watch the fallout of uh, the disastrous launch of the Kandahar Memorial, you know, and we look at our troops, and once they came home, I think a lot of people thought the Afghan mission was done, uh, that it was finished. But there is still so much going on still uh, in that region that still makes it one of the most dangerous in the world. You know, since the fall of the Taliban, which hard to believe, but it's now been two decades. And yet there's still multiple terror attacks still happening. Women and children still being abused, violated. Human rights, well, when did they ever have the human rights? But human rights are, are a mess right now. But what we don't really hear about are all the other dangers. And that is devastating drought. That is driving millions from their homes because they're starving, trying to find food. So if it is not the war that is killing a lot of these people, it is either poverty, starvation, or the continued neglect and abuse or black market, um, you know, of punishing people or selling little girls off to be uh, married. So the situation in Afghanistan is still one of the worst of the worst on the world stage. Michael Messenger is the CEO of World Vision Canada. He joins us now. And Michael, good to have you with us because you just came back uh, from traveling in this region. Why did why did World Vision go? Yeah, I was in the northwest part of Afghanistan about a month ago um, to see World Vision's long-time work in meeting emergency needs of children and families as well as the long-term development needs in a country that is, you know, always right on the edge of conflict and disaster. Was your takeaway initially worse than you thought it would be? I mean, what was that first reaction like for you? You know, when I first landed, I was struck, first of all, by the beauty of the country. Mm -hmm. It was Mm -hmm. just the beginning of spring as well. We have this idea in our minds, you know, because we see just conflict and dust. It's not the case. It's actually beautiful, incredible mountains. It was just the beginning of of springtime. So all of the, the hills, which not many trees, the hills are all kind of dusted with light green and then these wildflowers. It's really beautiful, beautiful people as well. But what you don't see on the surface of this beauty is the, the real challenge that the people of Afghanistan have had to face, particularly women and girls, mm-hmm. over the past uh, you know, number of years. It's been, a, it's been a conflict of some kind for more than 40 years. Yeah, I mean, there was hard to believe uh, decades ago this was one of the more beautiful places in the world, and then it has been just ravaged by terror and, you know, extremists divided by war. There's a bunch of areas that I want to break down with you, because in reading some of the information, I was a bit surprised by this, but within the next 10 years, more than 80% of, uh, you know, the world's poorest are going to be living in the most dangerous places, which are affected by conflict and disaster, and and that is... Afghanistan, Afghanistan, Syria, Yemen, these places that are rife with conflict and are, are, I think, essentially ignored by the world. But there are real problems in Afghanistan with drought. 
Yeah, what's, what people don't understand is one of the biggest humanitarian disasters uh, in, in the past couple of years has actually unfolded in the northwestern part of Afghanistan. We know from our teams on the ground, we're responding to more than uh, 6.3 million people are in need of humanitarian aid in that part of the world. And that for us as a child focus organization, focus organization is uh, particularly concerned around the, the malnourishment of mm-hmm. children. You know, a million and a half kids are acutely malnourished, and the drought also causes food insecurity. So it actually has prompted this this movement of people away from their villages, often quite remote, into more populated areas. But they come to these areas already stressed, already under, under strain. And so in some of the worst parts of these small towns are essentially tent cities mm-hmm. that have, have sprung up. Families really were left with nothing, and they come to, to see what they can find in the cities. Like makeshift uh, refugee camps. It's exactly like that, uh, except they're internally displaced. They come from one area to the other. Now, World Vision, one of the, 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 the things that I'm most proud of is that we're working in the remote areas, often in places where many other aid agencies can't go because of security, mm-hmm. helping, you know, helping give uh, children and families the support they need so they can stay so they don't have to be on the move. But we also know that just between June and August this year, more than 260,000 people were displaced, forced from their home by drought. Mm-hmm. And, and what is the security situation uh, on the ground like? I mean, are aid groups protected? Has UN uh, got a mission there? Well, the, aid, the UN is there. There are a number of organizations that are there. The challenge is it is an incredibly insecure area. Yeah. Uh, you know, within... When we think about countries like uh, that are the most fragile in the world, Afghanistan is on that, that Syria, list, yeah. South Sudan, Somalia, some of these other places. And we just have to make sure that uh, you know it, it costs more to be there. It takes longer to, to have an impact. But you know when you sit down and you talk to children and families who are affected, for example, in the refugee camps, at mm-hmm. the internally displaced camp, World Vision is involved in a mobile health clinic. Sitting down with moms who are getting... Uh, uh, emergency nutrition for their children uh, in the midst of some of this worst condition. We know that actually Canadian-funded and Canadian-donated, uh, uh, ready-to-use therapeutic food, and it's kind of like a, a fortified peanut butter. Mm-hmm. I met one family, a little little boy, I won't forget, his two-year-old uh, Mirvais, who was receiving this. He had been identified and helped. And so the, the, the story is that there are there is aid reaching people. It is making a difference. It's just an incredibly difficult environment to do good work. And it's not sustainable. I mean, that, that's the problem. It can't go on forever. At some point, there's going to have to be a solution. found. I don't know what that is. But the other side of this story, and I had a real hard time. I know there were videos uh, to watch it. and I simply couldn't watch them. But this yeah. issue of, of girls, children, really being sold into to marriage, and uh, it's it's still going on. Well, you know, and this is interesting. Sometimes people think it's a religious thing. It's not. It's a cultural practice in that part of Afghanistan where girls as young as 11 uh, are married off, um, in, in part to receive a bride price, in part for a family to you know they have one less mouth to feed. Um, and, and World Vision is yeah. standing up, though, and saying that this can't, you know, we, we've worked internationally, we work in, in Afghanistan to change the laws. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when there's a humanitarian emergency, some of those things go out the window. Sure. Our staff are reporting that, that the rates of child marriage have actually doubled in the areas that have been affected by this humanitarian emergency. I, I, again, in that mobile health clinic in the middle of that camp, I met a young woman, young girl, really, Banesh. She's 14 years old. She was pregnant with her second child. 
Uh, she had been married at the age of 11 against her wishes, not really even knowing anything. She's now being provided medical care, contraception, these kinds of things. So she has more control. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, they're heartbreaking stories. I'm a dad. I have a yeah. daughter. I mean, what would it be like for, for me to, first of all, to be in that mindset to, to see my daughter as a, something to sell or give away, um, but also just not to, to, not to, to allow her to have the kind of choice that she needs to be able to determine the future of her life. The, the girls in Afghanistan, like Banesh, mm-hmm. are just as smart and have as much potential as my daughter does. Yeah. Now, but, but the problem is their property, and, and they've got value, and that value is food on the table for the families that you see starving, and it's, it, it is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's a short-term fix. But you know what? You you said before that that uh, just a few minutes ago that it's desperation. What's changing? We actually saw even on the issue of child marriage in those same areas some amazing stories of hope. Mm-hmm. So one of the longer-term interventions that we're doing there is working with Afghan women, mm-hmm. getting them together with facilitators to help them understand the right their rights and their daughters' rights. Mm-hmm. And we had this we had this story. Uh, so the, the flip side, I guess, of the story of, of Banesh was uh, a girl named Bahara. She's 13, and she told us that her mom, mother had gone to one of these sessions to understand about the problems of child marriage. Her dad came home and told her, Mom, I found a husband for, my, for, for Bahara. And the mother worked with the daughter and then eventually with the World Vision staff to say, you know, no, this is not right. We need our girl to be educated. This, she's going to have a... If you even want to think about it in economic terms, which is yeah. you know it's hard to think of, but to say you're going to be worth much more long term if you have an educated woman who's able to provide for the family, and she was able to stand up to her father, and her father and mother both agreed that that marriage was not going to go ahead. But I have and to so think that that's that's a difficult. I mean, you know, women do not. I don't think. Well, I know that they don't have the same rule and value as we do in in North America. So, how often is it happening that that these young girls and women can actually stand up and say no? Well, the, you know, the first step is for them to understand and right. somebody to, to help them understand that they have worth and value uh, beyond just a, a commodity. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's women coming together with just a little bit of information. It's amazing the power of community. The other really fascinating area is that we know that we can't do this on our own. We actually have engaged local faith leaders. So I had a chance to sit down with more than uh, 14 uh, Muslim imams working there who are taking advantage and understanding that they have a platform to push this message of understanding that it's not right. It doesn't go against, it goes against uh, the laws of our religion and our culture to allow girls to be treated this way. And so we've seen these champions in the religious communities and other civil society groups coming together. It's really when you can pull that that group together, those those actors, to, to really help form a movement that's going to make a difference for the girls who are really the future of Afghanistan. Yeah, and what is the future, um, you know, what is the plan in place now for aid groups and World Vision? I mean, what is the long, long-term game? If you had to kind of look ahead about a decade, what is the ultimate goal? Because, you know, you look at places like Syria and Yemen and, and mm-hmm. Afghanistan, they're nowhere close to being... Uh, civilized or uh, peaceful. I mean, these are full-blown uh, war zones, and and I don't know when that's going to settle. And until those situations settle, we're not going to, I don't think, see a reprieve from this. No, you said earlier that you know by in the next ten years, eighty percent of of the world's extreme poor will be in countries that are affected by conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we're actually, as we think about the the, the, the world, we're making huge strides in fighting poverty. 
the rates of girls in school and, and maternal and newborn child health is actually improving globally. But it's like extreme poverty is go- going to hide in these dark, dangerous places. And it's just like Afghanistan. So the first step, in addition to meeting immediate needs so kids can can survive, mm-hmm. is to try to find those areas where, where kids can thrive and then help adapt. We're not going to have that if we don't have peaceful durable resolutions to conflict that we really need to address urgently yeah. because the, the places where extreme poverty are today are almost all affected by conflict. That's the first piece. Uh, the first part is to really help uh, do what we can to drive, encourage, and build peace. Yeah, well, that's, a, that's a very big request and conquest for sure. But just before I let you go, Michael, then, um, you know, the Taliban fell, but there's still a lot of terror in the area. Will these young people that you've been meeting and will these families at some point know in Afghanistan, do you think, that doesn't come with terror, where they're always kind of facing this? I, I do think so. I think, I think when, when conflict stops or, or ceases and people recognize the Afghan people who already know how beautiful their country is, there's incredible potential, mineral wealth, uh, resilience in the people who have been through so much. I actually think that there's a lot of potential there. Once we can, once, and when there are moments when people can look outside of the, emergent, you know, the immediate economic uh, disaster in front of them can look up and around and see those poten- those opportunities like those women gathered in that basement talking about child marriage where they can get together and see the bigger picture that's what i think is going to be the the key to unlock the prosperity that i know is in um, the, the country and the people of afghanistan yeah. i'm actually really hopeful about the future but we've got to tackle the issue of peace Yeah, well, it's a big one to tackle, but nonetheless, uh, the headlines that seem to get buried these days, you saw them firsthand. And I thank you so much, uh, Michael, for sharing them with us here on Point. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.